on the quote, but here's the thing. <laughs> my, my man Hagel was like, listen, you got to bathe in the ether of Spinoza to be a philosopher. <laughs> That's a direct quote. Yeah. This is also, you got to keep in mind that this isn't a writing. This is a lecture that he's giving. Yeah, he, so he's yeah. saying this to other, I would uh, assume. Philosophy maybe, nerds. Yeah, yeah other nerds. philosophy people. He's saying you have to bathe in the ether of Spinoza. <laughs> like yeah. it's like some sort of like cult practice. Yeah, to be a philosopher, you have to be a, a follower of Spinoza. You have to be a Spinozaist basically. And, you know, this sort of attitude is reflected throughout the entirety of the history of philosophy. We see a lot of people who would be otherwise um, skeptical or very critical of continental philosophy love Spinoza for some reason. And uh, we see this with analytic philosophy specifically, who uh, doesn't take too kindly to the early rationalist philosophers, generally speaking. But with Spinoza, for some reason, they have a soft spot. So there's there's something about this guy that makes it st- that makes him stand out to um, philosophers. He's a, ph- he's a philosopher's philosopher. Yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. loves him. Everyone and, uh, loves him. Great says thank you. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, let's get into it. Yeah, we're we. You're set. I did figure out the recording, so okay, this is recording now. Nice, um, nice, nice. Maybe we can get into this sort of like basic distinction of monism or monism, depending on how you want to say it, and dualism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, does anybody want to take that, or do I can take it? Or well, I mean, dualism is just that mind and body are two distinctive principles, right? right. They're two distinctive things, right? Yes. Some, just for clarity what is this mind body different some people may be thinking like well of course the mind is part of the body it's you have a brain and it's a part of your part of your body yeah what? i think this can also be situated with historically so descartes uh like one of the first dualist philosophers and he takes mind and body to be entirely different he doesn't think that mind and body can be causally interactive yeah which is to say anything that's uh, mental substance or mental anything that's mental just can't affect anything physical mm-hmm. um so they're two entirely different substances and also their created substances just to differentiate from infinite substance so both descartes and spinoza take god to be an infinite substance the uh difference between them comes in where descartes thinks that god created these two things that's distinct from him mm-hmm. whereas with spinoza they are um Equivocal. extensions of yeah. god yeah, yeah. um it, oh, go ahead monism you got it yeah yeah monism is well it's the opposing view to dualism. Uh, monism says, uh, particularly for Spinoza's view, that every piece of the of the universe is one substance. It's yeah. combined, and it, there is no differentiation. Um, Gurus might get mad at me for saying this, <laughs> but I take Leibniz to be a monist. That's interesting. I think. Well, we can. Is it better now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the, that's a controversial take because I think I I view Leibniz as an uh in, as an infinite pluralist. He thinks there's an infinite amount of monads and monads are monads are all distinct substances. Okay. Yeah. So because, yeah. Um, by so, just the sim- substance definition, there's a lot of objects for Leibniz. Right. My question. But I, we don't, I don't want I don't want to stray yeah. from what we're talking about, but just really quick, my right. objection to that would be, how so. For those of you, Leibniz has this idea of monads, and they're not. You can think of them like atoms, but that's a really poor translation because they're not. They don't occupy physical space. And so my question would be, how does Leibniz differentiate? Is there some sort of like intrinsic difference in these, in these monads? monads? Yeah. Well, um, there's a hierarchy of monads. There are some monads. For, for instance, within a human being, there's this like head monad that controls all the other monads. Right. That is a uh, has a more 
active sort of soul to it, whereas there are some non- there are some monads which Aristotle would describe as having a non-vegetative or a vegetative soul, mm-hmm. uh, which is to say they're not conscious of right. the activity. That's it, it sounds a little like uh, like uh, early Plato that I read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you know what's crazy? We what's was all in early modern, and I sped run. I I, I ran ver- ran run sped run sped run run speed run yeah speed yeah sped run. Leibniz, because I just dreaded reading him. So <laughs> I much. loved it. I loved it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Leibniz was one of my favorites. I mean, I completely disagree with almost everything he says. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Interesting take. Okay, we should probably get back on the topic. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so we were describing monism and dualism. Um, I think we did sufficient work there. I mean, yeah. is there any any add add? Oh, yeah, I, I will add. I think there's there's a lot of monism. There's a lot of uh, ways one can be a monist. Spinoza is a substance monist, which is to say there is only one thing. And there yeah. are there are people who would say there's uh there's there's types of monism where you have a one way of being so you can be uh, right. an existence monist or priority monist we don't have to get into that all we need to know is that Spinoza thinks there's one thing that does yeah. that doesn't need to rely on anything else yeah and that's his su- conception of substance a thing that yeah. in- exists independently of everything else yeah. yeah and he has in this way substance as uh, multiple things that trickle down that are dependent upon this substance yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. that sort of makes up his ontology yes. and uh, uh ontology is just the sort of um being yeah it's like the things that you accept that exist in your system of metaphysics and i know that sounds like really choppy for someone who doesn't know philosophy but um i think that's the best way to describe it in a simplistic way right it's no, like yeah, ontology is like I accept that these things exist, whether it be like atoms or whether it be souls, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. whatever it is, yeah. And uh, so we can start. So do let's cover the four key. Yeah, he has he has four key pieces to his ontology yeah. that uh, that have things that derive from them, but there were four key ones. If, if y'all want to, you want you want to par up, pair up, whatever. You want to start with substances. Start yeah. With, what, 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 well, I mean, it's, it's I mean, substance is what we were just talking about. It's this one thing that makes up the entire universe. Now, Spinoza has in spe- specifically, yeah, in, in his mind that this thing is God. God, yeah. Um, but, but, um, but also for him, like the, in, like, um, the corporal world and the intelligent world are also right. But that's getting into attributes. That's, that's true. That's, that's the that's second attributes. step. We just wanted to uh, explain what Spinoza uh, substance is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, substances. Yeah. Yeah. So. so uh, Payne, could you explain um, what it means to be a cause of itself? Yeah. Yeah, essentially. So so Spinoza has this idea that uh, the substance or God is the cause of itself. Um, and, and it's kind of hard to think about, but you kind of have to. I'm trying to do this without philosophy, like just requiring a good background. But there's this thing called B theory of time where things can go back in time. And I know if you listened to our episode last week, you're like, but you ruled that out at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, yeah. But there's this like idea that you can sort of go back in time and cause something, and it's similar to that in that God has it's it's within the essence, um, and the essence is just the makeup of God. Like uh, it's it's uh, when you think of something like the essence of a body is to be like physical or, or extended. Um, and so it's within the essence of God that he has the ability to create himself. He has the ability to, uh, 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 have all of the attributes. Um, and, and then maybe we should describe attributes or is that yeah. good? 
What do you, what do mean, you think is? Yeah, that works. So good on yeah, substance. Okay. And then, um, I mean, attributes. I mean, Spinoza, for attributes, he directly says, I understand what the intellect perceives of substance as constituting its essence. So attributes are extension and thought. Um, extension. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, extension and thought. And thought, yes. Yeah, but, yeah. Two, yeah. Two different attributes. Here. Two different attributes, yeah. But and, yeah, uh, also the same, right? Yeah. So. In some way. Well, yeah. They, they fall under the same substance. They fall yeah. in the same They're substance. They're not entirely distinct. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But like all attribute is is the essence of things. So like for Descartes, the essence, that like for the mind, it's like the essence of the mind is a th- that is thinking and the body is to like to be extended. And that's where like, I think Spinoza is running with the same thought with, uh, with um, um, attributes basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Modes. Modes. So we have two distinct this is three. Types. This is number three. Yeah, this is, yeah. So it's substance, attributes, modes. And under attributes, you have these subcategories yeah. of yes. extension and thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number and three. then we have modes. Uh, modes are particulars, and there's two types of modes that we're going to discuss, or that there are. There's infinite modes, which is to say the entirety of intellect as, ex- as it exists in the universe, the combined intellect of all particulars, all of us. And then there's infinite uh, motion slash rest, which is to say all physical extension. Mm-hmm. And then you have finite modes, which are finite particulars. So a limited beings such as me or Colin or Peyton. Yeah. Um, even me, guys. Even, even, even me. Peyton. Yeah. yeah, you'd be surprised. A shoe, the thing you're wearing on your feet. I love that example. <laughs> I don't know why. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. like well, it's a finite particular individ- individual thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. it's it's a body. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. hey, quick question. I So... For those those of you that are listening, like man, he really doesn't sound like he knows what he's talking about. I don't usually read this stuff, and so I <laughs> have a lot. Of, <laughs> I have a lot of questions on this paper. Um, is it good to think of infinite modes as something like collective consciousness, like this idea of like what we all as humans know? I know that's not going to be infinite, but like you, you, you get what I'm saying. It, it has a larger grasp of or a larger uh, section of knowing that yeah, that's that's a great question to ask and i think that gets into philosophically low to the territory because we get into like the whole i mean the sorry the yeah whole versus uh parts distinction right so does the right. parts the does like the combined intellectual parts of all of people do they amount to something greater this collective consciousness or is it just like a mass um and i don't know how much spinoza gets into holes and parts and if he does i'm not entirely familiar with that part of his philosophy right um but for now, we can say it can. It, there can be a collective consciousness insofar as that collective consciousness is God. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, in, in, the infinite intellect is the uh, universe slash God coming to know itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, and this can be differentiated um, because Spinoza is a monist, but so is this ancient Greek philosopher called Parmenides. Parmenides oh, shout is, out to that guy. Shout out to that guy. Parmenides thought there's no such thing as change. There's just one thing, and that's it. There's no, nothing else. Uh, yeah, that was one of the early questions that I had: is how does Spinoza get around this idea of change if everything is the same? Yeah. Right, right, and partly, yeah, like so, Parmenides has this like uh, conception of a fixed one thing. Yeah. Um, with Spinoza, though, because uh, Spinoza allows for consciousness, Spinoza allows for awareness and self-recognition specifically, yeah. and that's how it sort of relates to Hegel's philosophy. Hegel's mm-hmm. all about um, knowledge being self-knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what Spinoza wants to incorporate. I'm not sure if there's a strict philosophical grounding for how Spinoza brings this into his philosophy, but it's more so motivated by what his philosophy is, what he wants his philosophy to be. Yeah, I, I think right. that's where like Hegel's like poking at. Like, there's no grounding for how like this that in his philosophy. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else? Um, what else? The fourth. 
Oh, Fourth affections? One. Yeah. Okay. Affections. Affections are pretty pretty straightforward. Modes so or... So you have modes. Or you got it? Yeah, I got it. Okay. So affections are just modes or that which exists in and through another or that which is... In a f- Whoa, what did I write, bro? That's <laughs> No, 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 no. Mo- or They're not modes. Affections, affections are particular parts of modes. Yeah, it's like that which exists in and through another... That makes no. Okay, yeah. It's yeah. It, like like and it's easiest to explain an example. Yeah. But like you're you're a instance of a in, of a finite mode, mode yeah, a yeah. particular instance, and then on as a part of you, you have the affection of yeah blonde yeah. hair or something like that. Right? Yeah, it's like qualities or properties. Of, yeah, qualities or properties yeah, it, of these modes, modes or yeah, or like affections or qualities or properties of like modes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think um, we can quote specific. We can quote Spinoza directly here. I think he's saying, "By mode, I understand the affections, the affections of a substance, or that which yeah. is in something else." Yeah, right, yeah. right. So it's like the quality of being blonde haired within Colin or Payton, yeah. or us being yeah. in God. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. So he's going to apply this to infinite as well. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we've got the four, right? Yeah. Is, got is that. there another one, or is that it? Is it affections after is that? It? I think that's it. I think affections is where at least Hegel's explication terminates okay. it. Mm-hmm. I'm not like sure uh, about Spinoza's philosophy okay. specifically, but yeah, we've yeah. got so we've got substance, which is God, mm-hmm. in in this in this, and God causes it causes itself. God mm-hmm. is everything. God is. God is everything. Nature, yeah. all and of everything it. is God. Yeah, and yeah. it's like a, it's like a reciprocal relationship. Yeah, yeah, um, but not fully, not wholly God, right? And that was the problem that I had. Four is I was trying to understand with Gulrays mm-hmm. how exactly it worked that everything is a piece of God. Yeah. Is it holy God? So like, so like you've got I, substance which is God, and and everything is under the umbrella. All properties, all attributes, is under the umbrella of substance or God. And then you go down further to modes, which would be like you and I. Mm-hmm. Are we wholly God or are we just partially God? It's, I think we're partially God. And yeah. I think this is where it's the, trans- the transcendent conception of God in Christianity and early rationalist philosophers sort of like in, uh, is ingrained within our language. We want to say, like, are we partially God? Or are we distinct from God? And we, we literally make up God. Yeah. Right. So right. Um, God exists. Like, and and that's not makeup in the uh, like uh, imagination sense. It's no, like, yeah. like we collectively, we like if you combined you, me, Colin, and all the rest of the universe, then yeah. that is God. That is God. It's like yes. a God is an active yeah. thing. I always had the inclination to say that we're all, like, like, like yeah, we're that, godly. That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. But it's not we're all in the sense of like we're all, because that refers yeah, to yeah. humans. Yeah, and yeah. it's like. Live or uh, not liveness. Uh, Spinoza wants to say everything. Like yeah. this yeah. phone and mm-hmm. I yeah, yeah. are both God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. feces also God. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> weird. That's, that's a criticism of Spinoza. Like, is the stuff you do in the bathroom is that is that still God? Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it less God? Is it less God? I, I don't think he wants to say it's less God because um, we are all essential beings. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We, we contribute to the essence of so God. Is, is, yeah. Is uh, feces just like a? It's an essential part of God. Or is it just a affection? Maybe we should just stop talking. About <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to run with this example. Yeah, that's yeah, a bad yeah. example. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to run with it. That's um, a good example. But this does this does uh, so this does go well into. Um, you said the the uh, what what did you just say? Sorry, I, know. Oh, no, I, I was saying yeah. So like we make We're up God essential. Yeah, yeah we, we are, are essential. essential. Yeah, yes. and this goes into the sort of um, determinism, like yep. that free will distinction that uh, uh, li- uh 
why do I keep wanting to say liveness? Uh, Spinoza, Spinoza <laughs> yeah. has, and maybe it would be um, good to explain that. But I will say that it's my understanding that Spinoza thinks that these two are compatible. Yes. That we both are determined and free. Yeah. Which is kind of weird to those who are privy to the basic dichotomy of either you have free will or mm -hmm. you do not. But free will, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, so Colin, do you want to explain what compatibilism is and, and how that might relate to Spinoza's philosophy? No, I think you take that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, we should first just do a basic clarification. If you're yes. not familiar with the determinism versus free will argument, determinism is this idea that uh, whenever I choose something, it was pre predetermined, and then free will is yeah, like you pretty really, self-explanatory. But you were open to make the determinism. Choice you, you don't have a choice. Free will. Yeah. You kind of there's this idea you have a choice. Yeah. Where compatibilism kind of takes us and says it's both yeah mm -hmm. and yeah then, yeah we can pick up from there yeah and then you got that yeah, yeah, yeah so this i think this was the part of spinoza's philosophy that relates to leibniz's philosophy so leibniz um and real quick we would have to explain what a priori and a posteriori is right yeah, yeah. i think um, that was on the th notes anyways i had analytic and synthetic in yeah. there but that's pretty much the same thing essentially yeah so do you want to explain yeah, yeah yeah the, this and you may know this better than me, but does this come from Kant? I mean, I'm no, I'm, I most formally. know it from Kant. Yeah, yeah right. formally okay. comes from Kant. Yeah, so uh, there was this uh, German philosopher, Immanuel Kant, who came up with this idea of distinct types of truths called analytic and synthetic. Um, analytic truths are truths that are, truths that are true by nature of the subject. So you have in a sentence, like basic grammar, you have like a subject and then a predicate in a sentence. So if you take the sentence, the, the classic one is like, all bachelors are unmarried males. So you have the subject, bachelors, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then you have the predicate, unmarried males. Yeah. But by adding that predicate, unmarried males, to describe the subject, you're not adding anything. It's yeah. like it's it's contained within the definition yeah. of exactly. a bachelor to be... And an unmarried male. And then like synthetics, like uh, bachelors are alone or something like that. That's an example. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So, like, it, so it that's relates. analytic. And then synthetic. synthetics, like, like synthetics is like, it, it relates to the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The subject. Subject, yeah, yeah. But it's not like, it's not directly in the subject. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's adding a concept to it. Yeah. Yes. And I will, oh, I don't want to, no, again, I don't want to go off on tangents, but right, right. Um, I, I kind of take, so, so in our book, uh, from early modern last semester, the example for synthetic truths was something like all swans are white. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's an analytic truth because I think that anytime you just sort of slap a universal quantifier on there, you're just saying it's a part of the definition to that's be a swan. All swans are this way. Well, then it's in the definition of being a swan that you're white, right? Um, not necessarily, because I think all you've said that all the swans that have existed so far have happened to be white. Ah, so far. So you, there could be a swan there could that be. is, like, is you, gray or something. You would have to exclude it yeah. from, like, sort of a genetic makeup definition and say, like, swans can't be anything other than white. Yeah, and then it'd be an analytic It's truth. necessarily the case that yes. all swans are white or something yeah. like that. Okay, yeah, that's, that's fair. Okay. Right, Anyways, so that explains a priori and... Uh, or Well, that explains analytic and synthetic truths. Synthetic truths are ones where you're adding to the meaning with the predicate. They're adding to the meaning of the subject with the predicate of the sentence. Yes. And then a priori truths and uh, a posteriori truths. So a posteriori corresponds to synthetic truths where it's, you have to go consult the real world. you got to go look and say, 
uh, you know, um, the paper in front of me is white. I go, look, it's really white. The a priori truths are things that you know that are contained within themselves. So absolutely, yeah. two plus two equals four. I don't have to go add, you know, two Tootsie Rolls next to two candy corns and put them together and then four. Yeah, we can just do it in your head. You yeah. yeah. Um, would you guys allow me to go off on a very specific tangent that's not that long, but will definitely help explain why Spinoza and how he relates to Descartes and Leibniz? Of course, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Leibniz has this thing called a complete individual concept. So the concept of Colin contains everything that he's ever Geist. done. Um, so when Colin, uh, I don't know, sits at the chair at this specific angle, that's an essential characteristic of Colin. And Colin could not have existed otherwise. Yeah, right. Um, and you would think, does he really need to sit that way for him to be Colin? And Leibniz will say yes. Everything that Leib- uh, Colin has ever done I'm starting to remember this is an essential class. part of yeah. Colin. Which, yeah, it, it just seems weird. You don't, and I think if you do say that, right, then you will say, okay, so if Colin sat an inch from to the right, then would that have been not have been Colin? And Leibniz will say, yes, that would not have been Colin because the complete individual concept of Colin was predetermined yeah. uh, from God, mm-hmm. right? And this is what Leibniz gets criticized for, and this is what I think Spinoza is great at. He fixes this view, and this is my personal view. This is what I've, this is what I've been working at. Yeah. Um, Leibniz will say, so yes, that's a, um, there are such things as necessary truths and there are such things as contingent truths, but what he gets criticized for is he's saying, is saying, well, if you're saying that Colin does everything that he's ever done necessarily, then how can you have any contingent truths? Right, right. right? And Spinoza takes that to its logical conclusion and says, right, so nothing is contingent. Yeah. Everything, yeah. Everything, yeah. Is everything is necessary. Everything is necessary. Yeah. Everything yeah. is necessary. Right. Because right. everything's of the one substance. Right. Okay. It's, everything is necessary. And you know what's totally necessary? Us taking this ad break. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to go to an ad break. And once we get back, what are we going to talk about? Did we really go over free will and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I thought we covered it pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't. Hey, okay, here's my thing. Here, here's my thing. All right. Here's my thing. One last thing, go. then we got to go break. Okay. So, like, this, like, so, like, this compatibilism, I'm, like, sympathetic towards it. But, like, like it's, like, what a causal, like, you should explain to your viewers what compatible. I, I don't want. I don't want to cut yeah. you off, but let's let's go to the break. We'll talk about compatible. We'll talk about compatible free will and determinism. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Let's do it. All right, guys.
91.7 FM, in accordance with federal and FCC regulations, confines the broadcast of indecent material to between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. Sensitive listeners and children are advised to tune out during this time. Meg Remy from U.S. Girls. You're listening to 91.7 KVRX Austin. We're back, boys. 
We're back. Hey, hey, hey. There we are. This is philosophy, we think. Philosophy what? Philosophy, we think? We think? I think I don't know. so. I don't really know what we're doing here. Yeah, shout out to Grace for listening. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, her cookies were amazing. I ate them all. Uh, yeah, I know. Really fast. Okay. What is that? It doesn't matter. Okay. Tangents. 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 Yeah, yeah, right. Are you that? No, I'm kidding. No, no. <laughs> Recipe later, recipe later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming on the website. Okay, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, where do we leave off? Uh, Free will and determinism? Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to touch on that. It was just, it was something that irks me. And well, I, I kind of thought we had an interesting conversation in between the break that was like useful stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, we know free will is like having the choice to do. You have X. like complete individual autonomy, basically. Yeah. That's, well, that's yeah. Libertarian free will. That's that's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. That's the uh, yeah. That's yeah. that's the idea of like complete free will. Yeah. 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 And then there's like determinism where you don't have agency. Yes. Like yeah. yeah. You can't correct. Yeah. You just like that's yeah. that's hard determinism. It's hard determinism. Yeah. Because because keep in mind like you're you're giving these like harsh sides of like you have complete agency or you have complete removal of agency. Yeah. But like there's also this median that we're going to try and argue for and that i think spinoza is trying to argue for mm-hmm. it which is yeah. compatible free will i'm unsure if spinoza is like a compatibilist but i think people well i think it was pretty go on I'm, yeah I, but there's i a mean quote maybe that he I think is was maybe pretty direct. everyone like calls him a hardcore determinist for no reason i think the reason that everybody calls him is that like our our existence by itself is just not contingent Mm. You know, yeah. So it's not, like when we think of free will, typically we say like, "Oh, when I do this action, am I free in doing so?" Mm-hmm. But we don't typically ask, "Was I free in being born?" And Spinoza will say, "No, you are necessarily born because you're a part of God." Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Here's the quote that I was thinking of: um, "In proportion as the mind regards all things as necessary, it has a greater power over its affections, which are arbitrary and contingent. So all things are necessary, yet there's some things that are arbitrary and contingent. Right? Yeah. Um." And this is the return of the mind to God, and this is human freedom. So you see in the same sentence, he says, all things are necessary, which would lend itself to determinism. Mm -hmm. And then within that same sentence, after a semicolon, he says, this is human freedom. So he's, he's, I mean, I don't mean to say he's obviously a compatibilist, but it would seem to me that he's trying to reconcile these two views. Yeah. I agree. Right. Right. Um, But I mean... So yeah, it's almost um, privileging human freedom. It's saying it's it's both free and it's necessary because it's forming God. Right. Right. So it's uh, mm. uh um, it's necessary that we're free almost. That's, right. Yeah. Right. So how would we go about justifying Ooh. these two together? I like that take right there. The, that it's necessary that we're free. Yeah. Like yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. That. I like yeah. That take. yeah. I mean, again, I think this is subject to criticism quite a bit. Um, sort of the same way that Leibniz is, um, but. Yeah, this is just one of those things where we say, okay, um, we necessarily exist. Somehow we also have freedom. Um, and in doing so, we are God. Because God has to necessarily exist. We are God, yeah. but we don't want to say God is unfree. That goes back to the beginning of our episode where it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's within the essence of God to exist. Yes. And this is... Wasn't this Descartes that says he kind of makes this argument of like it's greater to exist than not to exist, and that's right. the sort of like ontological argument. Mm-hmm. And therefore, because God holds all of the greatest attributes, mm-hmm. and it's greater to exist than to not exist, then therefore God exists. Right, and, and like, I think I'm kind of butchering that. If you're a, no, 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 you're doing a, well. Yeah, like existence is a predicate, and God has God exists to the maximal degree. And then a lot of people ask, well, is God unfree to not exist? 
Like, because right. God, if God has to exist, doesn't that constrain his freedom? And that's the sort of question that Spinoza and Descartes are trying to avoid. Yeah. Because they think that is a sort of limitation. But yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Um, okay. Should we move on in the yes. spirit yeah, of time? Yeah, because I think we've covered compatibilism anyway, so I, I think we're good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so, should we talk about the tiered existence that Descartes says? I mean, I think we sort of talked about that already, but mm-hmm. what, do, what do you guys think? Or should we just move on to Hegel and sort of Hegel's uh, uh, incorporation into Spinoza's theory and some critiques that he has? Let's do that stuff, yeah. The Hegel? Okay. yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm going to go ahead and jump on this one just because this is the one I feel most comfortable with. Which mm-hmm. one? Because we, uh, the Hegel's theory of recognition. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Mostly because we covered it in existentialism, yeah. another class that we all took together. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so Hegel has this idea that he calls the theory of recognition where our our very our consciousness is dependent upon other other people recognizing us. And yeah. it, it ties in well, I think, with Sartre's philosophy of the looks um yes. yeah there was all like, kind of ripping off hegel but no one wants to admit that right right so, well here and there here and there yeah yeah but yeah Sartre has this idea where we do the things that we do because we need the sort of like affirmation of others and and hegel is like the grounding of that where he's saying the fact that we're conscious is dependent upon other people noticing us because if other people weren't noticing us we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't be aware that we exist right. essentially which yeah. is like really interesting because it makes the consciousness of our mind dependent mm-hmm. and not or, or, or sorry not, well dependent but also contingent and not yeah. necessary and also makes it social yeah right yeah yeah which is uh, super important like i think it's like uh, normal like modern neurophysiology uh you just typically study consciousness as like oh it exists within one brain let's just study the brain and we'll figure out how an individual human mind works but with hegel it's more of a social phenomenon yeah it, right. it's a social phenomenon and also he's not like a like a bootstrap type guy like he like he's really like saying like this dependence is on other people yeah 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 and and i think we need to clarify that it's not a um necessarily positive uh interaction with a social interaction with other people there yes. it's like it, a, it's what oh no i was saying yeah there's like negative recognition yeah like yeah right. yeah right. yeah and but I, we were talking about this this goes into his like sort of dialectical process mm-hmm. of uh that we i think we all disagree with to some extent is mm-hmm. the hegel sort of asserts that um all change is positive yeah well yeah, yeah. not all change sorry yeah. all all all, that's a little all mis- progression is I, yeah, positive. Yeah. yeah, all progression is positive. I'm going to give the terminology to you guys here. It, it's like a little misleading. So it's like, the, like, so like w- when something progresses, like the, the progression is positive. Like the, the negative, I guess, gets left behind. Is that is it a good way to put it? No, the negation is what leads to the positive progression. Yeah, the, we the, need, the, I think we need to clarify a little bit. We're talking about <laughs> right, the dialectical right, right. process here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're saying is like, say you have a historical epoch and then you, you negate the historical epoch which is to say it moves towards the new historical epoch right and the negation the negating part of it is um we preserve some essential aspect of it that still gets carried over yeah but you have an entirely different epoch yeah um but within the new epoch there's eternal conflicts there's always. yeah there's so always yeah. like always say it's misleading can... to say it's entirely positive but i guess the progression is entirely positive but mm-hmm. within the next epoch or whatever the next is it's there's conflict. So a very good example of that, like you say, like in modern capitalism, we have the resources to provide for everyone, but we don't. 
So right, we need right. to move towards a new epoch. Where we do. Where yeah. we do. Because exactly. we already have the means of production. We already have uh, produce enough food for 10 billion people, but we don't. Right. We, we kill a lot of people through starvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's a contradiction. Yeah. Right. And he's so just clarifying my point earlier, He's not, I wasn't saying that he says that it's strictly positive. The new system is positive. I was saying the progression itself is, is positive. positive yeah. mm-hmm. So this new thing that we get out of the negation of the old. Yeah is better than the old, the old. and the negation. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's yeah. an idealistic conception of history. Like, history moves towards and forward and gets better. Yeah, yeah. right, right, yeah. right. Which yeah. is problematic. Like, it is. On a right. lot of levels. And we, Marx yeah. kind of goes that way, but, like, mater- materially. Marx kind of goes that way, but materially. But, right. yeah. But, yeah, we're, we're going off on a bit of on a... Tangent, yeah. 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 Let's go back to Spinoza and why the process of moving forward can't happen with him. Right, 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 right. Moving forward positively. Oh, because there's... I mean, there's no recognition right within it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. the idea is going back to what we were talking about go ahead because like within the sub like for spinoza this the substance recognizes itself but for hegel is like like no nah, that can't happen because there has to be this other for it to to progress exactly. positively yeah. and he's like so so there the, the substance can't recognize it like it can't recognize itself but spinoza like yeah it does dude like what are you talking about yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of interesting that, so is this more spinoza here again i'm the <laughs> least educated out of the three of us here um but is this idea that it's like you recognize like i look at my hand and i realize that like when i think of my soul or like my mind mm-hmm. or my my whatever it is that thing that's existent inside of me i recognize that my hand is different from me but why are you looking at me like that no i'm, I'm curious because i uh well continue though yeah so i recognize it as different but it's like it's that's what spinoza is saying right and so how like that's what that's what he's saying when he's saying well yeah yeah it is that way so what's different between that and hegel's idea of like self-consciousness like why can't it why can't the person that's only god be self-conscious because he's he can't just like look at a, a attribute of himself and say yeah i'm self-conscious there's an other there Did I just, Sorry, did I, I'm blanking so hard. <laughs> was that not good? Was that, no, 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 it was, it was, good, good, it was good. good. I just blanked hard. Um, I guess you're saying why, like, like why Hegel says like that can't happen for Spinoza. Right. Yeah. Because like Hegel says, you need an other. Yeah, to and, recognize yourself, and I'm saying, well, why can't God or substance just look at another attribute of himself? Because the attribute is itself, the sub- Like the attribute is of the substance, right? The a- attribute is the substance. It yeah. Is. So it's like it's not other. It's, it's equivalent with it, the yeah, substance. It's, yeah. It's not other. Yeah, it's right. the same. It's equivalent with it. So there's no other for it to be subconscious of itself. Right. And okay. and for Hegel, it's very important for God. I mean, actually, in his philosophy of religion, like God is self-conscious, and that happens yeah. through Jesus. But that's not important for this. Yeah, we can talk about it another yeah. time. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to turn it over to you guys from there because we, I covered what I know, the theory of recognition, and then this is all uh, recognized by God. Yeah. I mean, we did good. Though. What, what, this can't happen with Spinoza, so where are we at? Why can't Objections. We ha- what, oh, why can't we have two attributes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is a uh, problem, I think, with Hegel's uh, lecture on Spinoza. Hegel seems to be saying that there are only two attributes, extension and thought. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you go on, like, say, Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which is a very reputable source, um, they'll say there's Spinoza will postulate that there's an infinite amount of attributes that we can only know two of them, right? Thought and extension, right? So there's a discrepancy here between what Hegel is saying, what Spinoza thinks, and what Spinoza modern analytic philosophy is saying. Yeah. Um, and I have not, we have not explored that 
into too much detail, but it is something to look forward, look too much, look into. Can you imagine being that kid? Like, I'm sure some kid mm-hmm. like caught it when lecture or when Hegel was giving the lecture, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I don't huh. think that's what Spinoza's saying." <laughs> <laughs> and then talks to talks you, to Hegel after class. Hey, we should do a thesis together about this. No, literally, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, I mean, I think that this is the part where uh, we fo- we can focus a little bit more on the Hegel side of thing. Like this, like uh, the Hegel's lectures on early modern philosophy are still a way for him to ex- uh, provide an exposition of his own philosophy. Yeah. So when he provides criticisms of these guys, he's saying, "Well, these guys don't, co- don't correspond with what I think is true." It's right. Usually, right. He's. I mean, he's using his dialectical method within, exactly within yes. this. Like, right. Yeah. When he talks about like the w- me and you, when we were kind of confused, like the the other, like yeah, like it's still. I mean, basically, the other is still like he was just saying like the the other is not the other because like you know God is like I mean the attributes are one substance or whatever. But like I, I'm gonna stop because I can't remember the quote. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I can't remember the quote. Um. Okay. So so we've got through that. Yeah. Uh, that's almost like an objection on an objection because mm-hmm. Hegel raises this problem with uh with Spinoza where he says, well, why can't we have more than two. Why does it only have to be two? Extension and uh, uh, thought. And Spinoza's like, no, there's more than two. We can't yeah, really recognize exactly. Two. And and okay. so it's just a misunderstanding. So maybe, maybe Hegel's right. He's the father of all philosophy, after all. Is he? No, I was just joking about that. Okay, he is. <laughs> He's the greatest philosopher of all time. All time. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know enough Hegel to make that comment, but I would probably disagree. We will all come to that conclusion sooner or later. Okay. We're gonna complete. <laughs> yeah. German. It's determined. It's determined. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, let's do the proof of God. We have like nine minutes left. So yeah, yeah, we got point, uh, a little less, on. a little less than nine because we got to get out of here and uh, right. play ads and stuff gotcha, like that. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. started off with All right, all right. So a substance is prior in nature to its affection. That's proposition one, which is to say, a substance does not need to rely on the things that re- need, that rely on it. So Peyton, Colin, and I need to rely on God to exist, but God doesn't need to rely on us. Yep, yep. That's the standard conception of substance. Proposition two, two substances having different attributes have nothing in common with one another. Um, so right. if there's a substance and they have different attributes and those two substances, they can't have anything in common. Pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, that was uh, just real quick. I, I think that was one thing we kind of skipped over. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll kind of get to it in this argument. But I, one of the common things is like, why can't there be multiple substances? Well, we're, we're going to be there. Yeah, okay, yeah, we're yeah, getting there, we're getting there, yeah. yeah. Like, so, yeah, so, like, the conclusion of this is going to be uh, there's only one substance. Yeah. And uh, Spinoza's a- arguing from ad absurdum where he's saying if we had two substances, something ridiculous would right, happen. Right, 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 right. So, the proposition three, if things have nothing in common with another, they can't be the cause of another. So, um, yeah, if, they, if the two things need to relate to each other, they have to have something in common. And yep. if they don't, then they can't. They can't cause right. any sort of change within the other. And this is a, this was reminding me of a comment. Sorry, this is a little tangent, but mm-hmm. uh, this is reminding me of a common like political philosophy argument where uh-huh. it's like thoughts can't cause action, or right. or action cannot cause thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't uh, like uh, what, what's it uh, torture someone into thinking something into changing their mind. Uh, like truly, truly right? Yes. This gets into right, political right, right. philosophy. Let's, let's just have, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's like Descartes had a political philosophy. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go on. Right, right, right. Okay. So, uh, proposition four: two or more things are distinguished from one another um, by a difference in their attributes. 
So um, if a substance only has colon and if a substance only has me, then these two substances are distinct because they have something in within them, attributes, me and colon, that are not, um, that are different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably we're God, bro. We're God. We're God, though, yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> Proposition five. In nature, there cannot be two or more substances of the same nature or attribute. So this is what he's going to defend now. He's yeah. Saying there can't be two, two substances. There, there can only more. be There's one, only sub- one. Yeah. There's yeah. only one substance, and they're all the same nature. Proposition six. One substance cannot be produced by another substance. And that's because uh, substances are causally non-interactive. And this is a sort of an extension of Leibniz's philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's like substances don't interact with one another. Yep. Um, they're wholly self-subsistent. Yep. For Proposition 7, it per- pertains to the nature of a substance to exist. So this is both uh, Descartes, Leibniz, and Spinoza. Substances exist, right. and they don't need to rely on anything else to exist. Yep. Proposition 8, every substance is necessarily infinite. This is where he's diverging from uh, Descartes and Leibniz, where he's saying uh, you only have an infinite substance slash God. Right, and mm-hmm. Leibniz will want to say there's monads. Descartes will want to say that, that you have like created substances such as thought and extension. Spinoza's thing that there's only one substance; it's infinite, and that's it. Yeah. Um, proposition nine: the more reality or being each thing has, the more attributes belong to it. That makes sense. Um, uh, if you want to exist more, it's this is weird stuff. But yeah, like it, anything that exists more has more things in it. Right. In that sense, it's a bit intuitive. Um, each attribute of a substance must be conceived through itself. I'm going to pause explaining that and continue just so we can cover the whole proof yep. real yeah. quick. Proposition 11, God or a substance consisting of infinite attributes, each of which expresses the eternal and infinite essence, necessarily exists. So God exists so. necessarily, and anything that exists within it must necessarily it exist because it's expressing God. Right. Yeah. Nothing's right. contingent. Nothing this is contingent. That's how we get that determinism. Yeah, he's and breaking with the Aristotle boys. The proof of this is just the classic ontological argument. We're not going to get into it, but... Um, yeah. Spinoza's basic uh, re- retort to this is that if you re- if you deny that God exists necessarily, then you can conceive of God, but that means that God exists. Right. 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 And uh, only one God exists. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, proposition 12, no attribute of a substance can be truly conceived from which it follows that substance can be divided. <laughs> no attribute. <laughs> proposition 13, a substance which is absolutely infinite is indivisible. Uh, and proposition 14, except God, no substance can or be or being conceived right right okay okay well we only have four minutes so should we should we wrap it up i mean want to give the you want you want to give the quickie conclusion basically we're all god yeah 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 everything's god everything everything's either an attribute or a mode right or affection well affection or substance or substance substance. Yeah. yeah And that's the big takeaway from today. Yeah. And you remember, the issue with this is because the issue with this is God's not self-conscious in the system, as Hegel points out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. be aware of himself. Yeah. That's the best. I think that's the best critique. Yeah. yeah. Probably. But, okay, guys. Um, we really appreciate y'all tuning in tonight to philosophy, we think. We think. And we think. Um, if you have any questions, you can DM Instagram. Us, yeah, DM, DM us on, on Instagram, Instagram. Philosophy, philosophy we, we think. think. And, uh, all right, y'all have a... Great night. Yeah. So beat up you glimmers only in my eyes. Out of all this, you might live a mystic life. And I tell you, you don't want it, but you years grow by. I, I, everybody 